Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person, maybe you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And one of the ways we help uh, you to do that is by something we call Next Steps. Uh, we're having our next Next Steps on March 3rd, which is in two weeks. So uh, we know that there's been a lot of new people uh, recently, maybe over the last few weeks, few months. Um, and if you want to, man, get more involved in Front Range, hear more about our story, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've never been in Next Steps, I would encourage you to come. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about kind of where we've come from, where we believe God is taking us, and then we help you engage those three areas. So how do you build community at Front Range? How do you develop, um, uh, your, you know, your, grow in your Next Steps with Jesus and develop your purpose and, and all of that. How, how do you do those things? Uh, we'll walk you through that uh, at Next Steps. We'll have childcare and free food, so there's really no excuse why not to come. Uh, so I encourage you to, to uh, come. You can get more information either on our website, frontrange.org, or you can scan the QR code, or you can just check, check the Next Steps box on your QR, I mean on your uh, Connect card, and we'll follow up with you and give you more information. All right, a uh, little confession time, if you guys would allow me to do that. Uh, I am a people pleaser. Anybody else people pleasers? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Like, I'm the guy that, like, I really want everybody to like me. Uh, I'm the guy that, like, when I do something dumb or, like, a weird way of preaching, my, my team will take pictures of it and, uh, and then create, like, little memes with it. Um, I, like, I think we have a, a one right there. There's a little picture of me, and then they just put things in my hand, uh, like, super randomly. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, uh, and then they'll just do that stuff. Like, I had no clue what they were going to put in my hands with this one. They've had worse uh, objects in there for sure. So uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love it when people make fun of me and all of that. Not really. Uh, I'm a people pleaser. One, one uh, little known fact about me is I don't like public speaking. Um, I, I, I'm like afraid to get up here every time, every single Sunday. And it's not because I don't know the material. It's not because I don't believe like God has something for our church. Um, but it's because, man, I want everybody to like me. And I think, man, if I, if I don't do a good job, then people will leave. And if people leave, more people will leave. And if more people leave, then like, we won't be able to pay the rent here. Or we won't be able to pay my staff. And then if I can't pay my staff, I got to go look for another job. Maybe McDonald's is hiring. But man, who am I as a kid? Like, I can't make those, those golden French fries like that. And like, I can't even get a job at McDonald's. You know, it's like where it spirals to for me. Like, I'm constantly worried about what people think about. There's a, a constant anxiety that builds up inside of me, that people won't like me or people won't think I'm as good as they put me on a pedestal as or something like that. Any, any people pleasers in, in the crowd? Good, four of you. That's awesome. This message is already starting off really well. Maybe Burger King is hiring. Uh, today we're going to be continuing the Taboo series that we started last week. We've done this series before with different topics, um, and it's always one that brings out a lot in people and a lot of conversations and um, and I think if you're open, then God will move uh, pretty significantly in you. So for this series, we're, we're taking the broad topic of mental health, and we're looking at some really, really heavy subjects. We're doing that through studying different people in the Bible. Um, and most of these people are probably people that you haven't studied a ton, or you probably haven't heard preached at church a ton. Like last week, we looked at a guy by the name of He-Man. Um, you probably haven't heard of He-Man a whole lot before last week. Today, we're going to look at another guy um, uh, that, that isn't as well known as well, and uh, we're just looking at their stories and how they dealt with mental health struggles and what do we do. We, we will find ourselves and our story in their story. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hit topics like depression, uh, addiction, and others. But today, we're going to hit on the topic of anxieties. Not anxiety, because I think most of us deal with multiple anxieties in our life. 
Um, uh, we deal with um, uh, things that you know, cause worry and stuff like that. So to kind of start us off, uh, there, there's really three broad topics of anxieties uh, that you, could, you can categorize. So the first one is in- acute anxieties. Acute anxieties is a real life or death moment that passes quickly. So it's like when you experience something that you think you're going to die, and that, that moment probably passes pretty quickly. It's, my, my wife deals with acute anxiety every time she gets in the car with me driving. Uh, it's like this real life or death, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die because he's driving. Uh, but it's more serious than that. Um, a, a lot of people that deal with acute anxieties also uh, end up getting PTSD because of what they've walked through, something that they've dealt with. Um, so that's acute anxieties. There's also another broader topic is uh, what I would call severe anxieties. Um, severe anxieties, there's a lot of people in my life uh, that deal with severe anxieties. It's paralyzing. Uh, And they walk through things um, like panic attacks and anxiety attacks and stuff like that. And and if you you walk through that, I want to say this from the outset, like what I'm going to talk about today is not minimizing what you walk through. Okay, like what we're going to talk about, I'm going to give some steps for how we deal with uh, chronic anxieties and how we walk through some things in a healthy way. I'm not minimizing what you deal with if you deal with this paralyzing, severe anxieties. In fact, for you, I just want to take a moment right now. I just want to pray. So, Father, we just come before you, and God, you know those of us in the room and those of us who are watching at home that, God, we deal with anxiety in such a way that it it does feel paralyzing. It feels like we can't move. I just pray for those individuals right now, Father, that you would somehow provide healing and freedom whether that's through doctors, whether that's through medication, whether that's through just supernatural means, whatever it may be, God, that you would just show up in such a powerful way in their lives and that, God, you would bring a little bit of health, allow the sun to break through the clouds that seem to be ever-present in their lives. God, be with them in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's acute anxieties, there's severe anxieties, and lastly, there's chronic anxieties. And I think this is what most people wrestle with. Chronic anxieties, the best way I can define it, is it's a false need that feels real in the moment. So it's a false need that in the moment you're like, I have to have this thing, but it's not real. It's a, it's a fake need. It's a, a, a fake need that, that presents itself as like something that's real, and so it kind of works you up a little bit. Let me give you some things that people become anxious over, that people worry over. And if you would say, yeah, I've, I've worried about that before. I've had anxiety about that before. I just want you to raise your hand, okay? And if so, if you raise your hand, keep your hand up, because the goal is to show everybody in here that we're all in the same boat. Like we've all dealt with the same thing, all right? How about any of you ever worry or, or have anxiety uh, by going through lots of change or having an uncertainty in your life? Raise your hand. All right, how about exhaustion or long working hours? You ever had anxiety or worry through that experience? How about feeling under pressure at school or work, maybe an exam or a, a large project that you needed to get done? How about feeling like you disappointed people? Uh, anybody, anybody there? I got, I got two hands up now. Uh, how about money problems? Anybody ever dealt with money problems and be like, oh man, I've worried about that before. How about losing someone close to you? Uh, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. How about feeling lonely or isolated? Anybody ever experienced that? Maybe worrying about something like the future of our country or our kids. All right, look around. Look at all the hands that are raised. If your hand's not raised, there's some coffee right out there because <laughs> you're not awake. Uh, you need some. We all deal with it. We all deal with it. I have conversations every single week with people who are walking through anxieties. And one of the things we talked about last week, we dealt with the myths 
of mental health. And one of those myths is that Christians shouldn't deal with mental health. Uh, and we looked at how that's a lie. And then we looked at scripture and, and we've talked about how every week we're going to look at a different character, a different person in scripture and how they de dealt with mental health. These, some of these people were like some of the greatest men and women uh, uh, of God that we find throughout the history. And they dealt with mental health stuff in such a major, major way. There's a lot of men and women that dealt with anxieties throughout scripture. Some dealt with it really well and some not so well. Today we're going to look at one that um, I think dealt with it in a pretty... Um, a pretty positive, pretty healthy way. This person dealt with acute and chronic anxieties. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles is kind of near the front of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be up on the screen. Hey, if you need a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Uh, as you're walking back to your car, you're going to pass a blue tent on the right-hand side that says connect. As you pass that, there's Bibles in there. Just take one. We don't need your name, your money, anything like that. We just want to make sure God's Word gets in every person's hand. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I believe this is one of the most encouraging and relevant stories for us today. Let me kind of set it up for you. The year is around 860 BC. Uh, the nation is the nation of Judah. Now Judah at this point is a small and oppressed outpost of the Persian Empire. It is not the nation of Israel that we're used to. Okay, the nation of Israel that we're used to, they have now gone into exile, and the nation has split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is called Judah. Uh, and the only thing that they had going for him at this point was they had a really good king. The king, his name was Jehoshaphat. Uh, he's primarily, he's mentioned throughout the Bible, but he's primarily mentioned here in 2 Chronicles. Um, and the author of 2 Chronicles is trying to help us understand uh, what, what a good guy this was. Not every king uh, that represented God was a good person, uh, for sure. Uh, and, but Jehoshaphat was. Uh, he was one of the few kings that led the people back spiritually and to put their roots in God. Uh, he, he also focused on the military, and he focused on creating a system of courts. So what he was trying to do was help the people understand God's justice with the courts, God's protection with the military, and then help people get a, a greater depth of trust in God. He was a really, really good guy. At the beginning of the story, Jehoshaphat's told by a few guys that, hey, man, there's a great army coming to destroy us. Um, but it wasn't just one great army. It was actually three really powerful armies coming together to get rid of them to completely extinguish the nation of Judah. So you can imagine what he's walking through. Look at verse 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. It says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now this verse, I think, really summarizes who Jehoshaphat was. Uh, he's alarmed. He's scared. That's an easy way of saying, man, this guy, he's got fear right now. Like he's dealing with some crazy anxieties right now. He's alarmed. Like, what are we going to do? And we'll see some of that here in the story. But then it says the very next thing he did is he told the entire nation, let's start fasting. Let's start praying. Let's start seeking God. Look at verse six. Jehoshaphat said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. And our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So he's recounting God's faithfulness. God, you've done all these things. God, you have delivered us. You have helped us before. Let's continue. Verse 8, he says, They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment, meaning wars, or plague, or famine, famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. He's saying, God, we have confidence in you. Like, we trust that you're going to show up. Why? Because we've already seen that God has shown up. 
So they recounted his faithfulness, and they're like, hey, we got confidence that you're going to do it again. Verse 10, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? So he says, hey, God, when you brought us out of Egypt and you took us to the promised land, you told us not to attack these people. And so we obeyed you. We left them alone. And now here they are coming to attack us to destroy us. God, remember, you gave us this inheritance. You see, the people right now, they're in a place where everything has changed. Everything that they knew is now gone. They've lost family members, friends, even their entire nation. And their identity was built around their nation. Their constant fear of attacks. They've had constant wars. They're wondering if God is going to be with them, protect them. Their economy is terrible. They're in a really bad place. And now imagine Jehoshaphat, who's the king. What is he going to do? Like, if he makes the wrong decision here, the people could rebel. They could join forces and destroy him. They could walk away. They could choose not to fight. So what if I make the wrong choice? I mean, imagine the anxieties that all of these people are dealing with. It's not just this acute anxiety of of this one battle that they're they're facing now. It's all these things that have been piling up over time. It's like that, that nagging in their stomach, the weight on their shoulders. So what do they do? Well, they take three steps from this point that help them to overcome their chronic anxieties. They help them to find freedom. Now, I'm not saying that these three steps, if you follow them completely, then you'll never deal with anxieties again. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if you want freedom and you want healing and anxieties, then these three steps are essential. The first thing they did, the first thing that we should do is acknowledge your anxiety and seek God. Acknowledge your anxiety and seek God. Last week, we talked about one of the first steps to find healing is that you've got to bring the anxiety to, into the light. Like you've got to confess it is the way that, that I, I, I phrase it. You've got to admit what you're dealing with. You've got to take what is in the dark and bring it to the light and be like, yo, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And then seek after God. Look at verse 12. It says, our God, will you not judge them? But we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He says, we have no power. This is a big statement. Because this is the nation of Israel. This is the army of Israel. The same army that defeated the Egyptians. Like, they're, they're world-renowned at this point. Like, every battle, almost every single battle that they have faced, they have won. And he's saying, we have no power. We don't even know what to do, God. You ever been there? You ever been in a place where you're like, man, I don't have, I don't have the slightest clue of what to do next. Like, I have no clue what to do in this relationship. I don't know what to do with this work situation. I don't know what to do with this person in my life. I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do with my finances. You ever been in a place where you're like, I don't know. Like, everything I seem to be doing isn't working. Or have you ever been in a place where you're like, I I don't have the power. Like, I keep doing these things, but nothing is working, and I don't know what else to do. And even if I do something, it doesn't seem to work. And you kind of feel paralyzed in that moment. If you've ever been in that place where you're like, I don't know what to do, or I don't have the power to change or whatever, man, it just creates anxieties in you. Like it just starts to build up. Like what else are you going to do? You know, as believers in Christ, we're not exempt from fear and anxiety. 
As believers in Christ, we're not exempt from fear and anxieties, but we do have a God that we can take our fear and anxieties to. We're not exempt from it, but we do have a God that we can take those to. I love what Jehoshaphat does here. He says, I don't have the power and I don't know what to do, so God, my eyes are on you. My hope and prayer is that we would become a church where our eyes are fixated on Jesus. That no matter what we go through, no matter the storms of life, no matter what army you're facing, no matter what happens to our economy, no matter what happens with the stock market, no matter what happens politically at the end of this year, no matter what happens, that we're like, God, my eyes are on you and you alone. Like, I'm not going to worry about all these other circumstances and all these other things. I'm going to fixate my eyes on you. That's why every year we start off our year with a, a 21 days of fasting and prayer and uh, we do a, a little prayer time at our ministry center at noon every day during that time. And at the end of this year, we're like, we, we just, we need to keep this going. And so we said, okay, so we're going to keep doing this every Monday at 7 a.m. And every Thursday at noon, we're going to keep prayer times going. So if you need to fix your eyes on Jesus, then just join us. Obviously, you can pray at home, but why not gather with others to also be praying? You can do that collectively. You can do that individually. But we just said as a church like, we want our eyes to be fixated on Christ. Like, we want to make sure that he is the focus because there are so many times in my life I don't know what to do and I don't have the power to do it. So the only thing I can do is look to him. The second step that these people took and that we should take is to wait for God and to trust in his word. Wait for God and to trust in his word. This is probably the hardest step that they had to take. And I would say it's the hardest step that you and I have to take in our lives, is to actually wait for God and to trust in his word. Look at verse 13. It says, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So what they do when this vast army is coming, they had church. They're like, let's just gather together, guys, because we don't know what else to do. And as they're having church, one of the pastors stands up and he says, hey, I got a word from the Lord. Do not be afraid. And don't worry about this battle because the battle is not yours, it's God's. Now, what a statement. Do not be afraid. I mean, that sounds great. Did you know that do not be afraid is the number one recited command in Scripture? Not love God, not do good, not love your neighbor. The number one recited command in Scripture is do not be afraid. You see it in, in, in the book of Timothy where God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. Like God doesn't want us to be fearful because when we're fearful, we only start looking at ourselves. What do I need to do? How do I get out of this? Why is this happening? And you only look at yourself when you're living in fear. So this pastor says, hey, God says, don't be afraid and don't worry because the battle's not yours anyways. It's God's. Now, if I'm standing there that day having church service with these people, I'm probably thinking, I don't know, God, it, it kind of feels like this is my battle. Like these are my kids. This is my home. This is my workplace. Like this army's coming to destroy all of that. It kind of feels like my, my battle. But right now in this moment, God gives them a command. Look at verse 16. It says, tomorrow, march down against them. Then skip down to 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. God says, hey, in the waiting, you still have to take action. I want you to do something. 
I want you to go down. I want you to take up formation. But this action is going to be a little bit different because you're actually not going to draw your sword. So you're not going to actually have to fight, but I want you to go down because I need you to trust in me enough that you will take the steps to go down, face this army, and just get ready. And then wait for me. Wait to see what I'm going to do for you. God's saying, hey, if you are going to trust me, you still have to take action. Like if you deal with anxieties, whether they're acute or whether they're chronic anxieties or even severe, God's saying you can't just stand there and hope that they go away. You can't just be like, you know what? I went to church today, so I should not worry anymore. Okay, now it's 6 p.m. I'm worrying again. Okay, I'll just, I'll just wait. That's not what God's saying. God's saying, like in waiting for him, there's still action to be taken. They still had to go down in formation and look and face the army that was ahead of them. So God's saying, man, if you're dealing with stuff, you've got to take action to get help. Like go to counseling. Do the things that you need to do. If medication's a part of it, do that. If, if celebrate recovery is a part of it, do that. If a group is a part, it's if calling somebody to just have coffee with somebody and say, hey, can you help me? Hey, can I just have a friend right now? Whatever it may be, then take action. It's one of the reasons why we constantly communicate about our groups and our classes and all the things that we offer, things like Celebrate Recovery. And we started this a few weeks ago. And if you've ever been around Celebrate Recovery, then the, the, the perception that it has is it's only for people with addictions. But that's not true. That might have been how it started. But Celebrate Recovery is, anybody, is for anybody who wants freedom in their life. You want freedom from anxiety, from worry? You want freedom from the way that you see yourself when you look in the mirror? like body, self-body issues that, that you might have. You want freedom from addictions? Of course, that's a part of it, whatever it may be. And so we offer this every single Monday night, and you just, you just got to show up. You don't have to pay money. You don't even have to talk. Just show up. It's taking action. God says, I want you to go down, and I want you to face the army. You're not going to draw your sword, but I want you to face them. And then I want you to wait. And as a part of that waiting, they had to trust in God's word. They had to trust in what God had already said. God had already told them, hey, I'm going to bring you to the promised land. Hey, I promise you will never be destroyed as a people. And right here in this instance, he says very specifically that the battle is his and he will bring about a victory. Do you trust that? Waiting on God is not blindly sitting back, hoping that he just shows up and does something powerful. Waiting on God is trusting in his word. It's believing what he says and then standing on that. It's why reading God's word is, is so important. It's why we, we encourage you to do it so often. It's why we have reading plans every single series. For this series, there's two of them. It's why we constantly talk about reading God's word. Because when you read God's word, when you, when you get into it, you dive into it, you begin to see what God has already done. You begin to see what God says to you, what he says about you. And this is what you can build your life on. But here's the problem. The problem in our culture is that there's so many voices coming into your life that many of them drown out the voice of God. That there's so many voices that, that we allow into our lives that the question is, is God's voice louder than all the other ones? We allow the voice of Fox News. We allow the voice of CNN. We allow the voice of the new Netflix special. We allow the voice of family members or friends or whoever it may be. We allow all these, these voices to come into our lives, and they drown out the Word of God. God's Word isn't the loudest voice, the most prominent voice. 
And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you read God's word more, you'll never deal with anxieties. But what I am saying is I believe we live in a culture that deals with such huge anxieties because we don't listen to the voice of the Lord. Like we're willing to listen to all the other voices and allow all this other input into our lives and his voice is minimized. We don't give him the time that he deserves. Listen to what he says and trust in what he says and build our foundation of what we do and who we are and what we think about ourselves and what we think about other people and all of that based on his word. That waiting and trusting in God is taking action and then it's believing his promises, trusting in his word. And then the last step that they took and that we've got to take as well is to worship God, to worship God. Now, this seems like a kind of a weird next step. I mean, you'll see in the story, the people, they, the battle wasn't over. Like battle actually hadn't even started. They just, they're faced with this huge army and they're like, what are we going to do? They're like, well, let's worship God. Like for me, I'm like, oh, I'm cool worshiping God once the battle's over. You know, like once we get on the other side, I've seen like God do his deliverance and all that. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good doing that. But that's not what the people did here. Look at verse 18. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Can you imagine the scene? There's a great army coming against them and they're like, ah, yep, this is what we're supposed to do. And they just start worshiping. This was a, a, a repeated routine of the Jewish people where they would have a a song of lament. They would say, oh God, here's where we're at. They would kind of acknowledge their situation, acknowledge the issues that they were having, acknowledge the anxieties, and oh God, this is the situation we're faced with. And then they would remind, remind themselves of God's word. Remember what God's already done. Remember how God's already delivered you. Remember, remember, remember. Remember what he's told you. And they just, they've, everything goes back to his word. And then after they remind themselves of the word, they have a song of thanksgiving. So it's just this repeated pattern that they go through. Oh, God, where are you? Oh, God, you did all of this. Okay, God, you're going to do it again. It's refocusing their heart and their minds on who God is, what he's already done, and what he's going to do. It's this praise of faith that dares to take God at his word. It's this praise of faith, like I'm going to worship him now, even in this moment, even in the hardship, even in the, in the unknowns, even in all the anxieties and all of that. I'm going to praise him, take this praise of faith and believe that maybe, just maybe, God's word will come true. Uh, a little bit ago, a buddy of mine came to me and we were just sitting down talking about some of the struggles that he'd been walking through. And he said, hey, Ernest, if at any point I can share my story and it will help somebody else. I would love to do that. I know that that's part of what God's called me to do and allowed me to go through and all of this stuff. And so we thought this is the perfect time for him to share a story. So take a look at this. My name is Vance Carrier. Uh, My wife, Sarah Carrier, and our children, Nolan and Emmeline. Uh, We've been attending Front Range Christian Church since November 2014. I have dealt with anxiety almost as long as I can remember. Um, I remember the first time that I really felt and knew what it was when I was about 16 years old. I told a friend once, anxiety feels like home, just because that's, it's where I've, I've learned to grow up and it's where I kind of, I almost feel less comfortable if I'm not anxious about something. A couple years ago, I'd gone through, I'd gone through a lot of anxiety around like uh, poor sleep habits. A year later or so, um, I had a really 
bad set of panic attacks where I just started, um, I just, I couldn't seem to get get rid of the anxiety. Begrudgingly, I went and saw a psychiatrist and she um, diagnosed me as bipolar two, as well as um, OCD. And so she started me on some medication and for the next couple months, I would say it kind of felt like everything was slowly getting better. I wasn't really being honest with my psychiatrist or my counselor. Um, and so I was still living in this really deep depression and really um, high anxiety mode. I remember I had a major panic attack um, to the point that I didn't really sleep that night. Um, Sarah had to like almost restrain me from leaving the house because I was just, I was in complete um, disarray of what I was going through and I knew that if I left the house that I wouldn't be coming home. I went up to take care of something upstairs and I remember I saw a, pill, a bottle of pills and um, thought maybe that's the right way to go. And thankfully I didn't and thankfully I confessed that to Sarah. I decided to check myself into Denver Springs Mental Hospital. While in the hospital, I mean, I definitely had a, a reckoning where I, I had to really come to terms with the fact that um, I struggle with anxiety and that I struggle with depression and that it's it's kind of a part of my life because I kept always trying to run from it and pretend like, oh, I don't need to worry about it, I don't need to fix it. The greatest trick the devil has is to tell you that you're alone. I'd think to myself, I'm the only one who's going through this. And after finding greater community, I share some of the things I'm fearful of and I find out that so many people have the same fears that I do. I wanted other people to be my savior and really what I needed was someone just to walk through it with me. I think it was seven or eight months ago, I was uh, doing a quiet time and I remember just journaling, why isn't this going away? What, what, like, why can't, I, why can't I live a normal life like everyone else? And, and in that moment I heard, I heard God say, is my grace not sufficient for you? Like, am I not enough for you? Rather than sitting and praying, going, God, take this from me. God, take this from me. Um, I'm struggling with this or that. I, it, it really came down to, God, I'm here, and I just want to be with you. I have to tell myself today is a good day. Tomorrow might not be great. Yesterday might not have been great, but today is a good day. Anxiety and depression, while I hope people don't have to deal with it, it's something that you can't just say, great, I dealt with it and now I'm done with it forever. It's, it's just like eating healthy and working out is that you have to continually put the work in in order to see the results. Some of us have felt like anxieties feel like home to us. We've just kind of settled into that. My prayer is that God will bring freedom and healing to you. Like when you look in God's word, you see that that's his desire. Like I love Isaiah 9, 6. We did a whole message on this at Christmas Eve where God is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father and he's the prince of peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. God longs for you to have peace. But I think what's fascinating is in the Old Testament, like what they had to look to was in the past. Like, okay, well, God did this and we, we have to trust in his word and all of that. But then you go to the New Testament and we're given Jesus. Like you don't have to just stay in the Old Testament anymore. You don't have to just stay here. We have Christ. And Christ makes it really clear that with a relationship with him, he provides 
all kinds of things for us. I mean, I love John chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. The world promises you peace. It offers us peace in all kinds of ways, but if you've ever taken that route, you know it doesn't end in peace. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Matthew 11, 29, Jesus speaking again, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. How many of us need rest for our souls? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Like he wants you to come to him and go, okay, it's on you now. I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to hold this anymore. Jesus, you've got to do something. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I don't have the power to do it. So I'm just coming to you, and I'm begging you to show up in some powerful way. And Jesus died for that powerful way. Jesus died to give you and I freedom. Jesus died so I don't have to be a people pleaser. Jesus died so I don't have to worry about insert whatever it is. Jesus died for you and I so that we would find freedom, so that we would have peace, so that we would have rest for our souls. It's on us to acknowledge it. Man, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with. Bring it into the light. It's on us to wait for the Lord to show up, but that waiting takes action. We've got to do something in the process, whatever he calls us to do. So God, what are you calling me to do? Are you calling me to call a friend, to have a conversation? Are you calling me to, to go to CR for recovery? What are you calling me to do? Take action. But then I'm going to trust in your word. And through the process, I will worship you. Even right now, if I don't see the results, even if right now I don't see the outcome, I will trust in you. After last service, we did some baptisms, and it was awesome. There were, there were so many people. One of the guys that we got to baptize was a, a teenager that has been a part of our church since the very beginning. And like the amount of anxieties that have been experienced by his family over the last 10 years that I've known him, and the amount of prayers that we have prayed for him over and over. It's like, okay, we take action, God, but we're going to trust in your word that you love him more than we do and, and all of that. And we'll worship you even if we're not seeing the outcomes that we have. And then to see him step in the, the pool hot tub thing and to get baptized, like, man, I almost lost it. So I'm like, okay, it took 10 years. That's hard. That's hard. And it doesn't mean that the anxieties are over with for that family. But God showed up. And Jesus died so that you can trust him to show up. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and God, I thank you for the story of Jehoshaphat, that we can look at his story and see all the things that he was walking through, the acute anxiety that he was dealing with, the chronic anxieties that him and the people were dealing with. God, And I, I think we see our story in his story. So, Father, I pray that for those of us who are walking through some things right now, God, that we're dealing with some anxieties in our life. I pray that we would acknowledge those things, that we would bring it out to the light, that we would set our eyes on you, Jesus, that we would wait on you, but that waiting takes action. So God, you would tell us, make it very clear what we're supposed to do. And if we don't know, God, let us just start trying things. 
Let us just show up to things, hoping and expecting you to be there, to meet us there. God, may we come to the prayer gathering or pray more, God. May we call a friend up and have a conversation or join Celebrate Recovery or whatever it may be, God. Let us take action and then trust that your word is true. That what you have said will come to pass. And then, Father, may we worship you. Of course, may we worship you when the results show themselves and the battle's over. But, God, I pray that even before the battle begins, even as we're in the midst of it, God, that we would worship you. Because you are good. You are powerful. And you displayed that to the Jewish people time after time after time. But you displayed that to all people through Jesus through him dying on the cross and rising from the dead. So, Father, we trust in you. We ask for healing. We ask for freedom. We ask for peace. Thank you that we can cast our anxieties on you because you care. So we do that now. We ask that you would show up in Jesus' name. Amen.